morning, everybody. Thanks for being here. It's going to be a little loud for a minute. They're going to fix this. It's going to pull it and make it not so uh, so crazy loud. But thanks for being here this morning. I hope you uh, everybody's the ice melted on your on your car. Okay, barely. I had a weird thing in my car on the way here. Like I had ice on the inside of my windshield. And uh, did you? And I I was scraping it and all the all the uh, scrapings stayed on my dash the entire way here. So I think it was like under 17 inside my car the whole way. So anyway, um, we have been trying so hard to get to, to warm up in this room. And if you get real cold um, and need to go to the bathroom, just go upstairs first. Because if you walk up upstairs, it's plenty warm. And just kind of walk through there and bring the warmth down, th- down here. So we've, we've opened the doors. We're trying to get the heat in this room. Um, the only other way I know to warm it up is you're going to do jumping jacks throughout the whole service. So that's the other option. Are you going to do? All right. And look at Riley. Riley brought his coat. He's got his coat on, um, leading worship in his coat. So true Pacific Northwesterner. It gets just mildly cold, and you, you can't. It's like 17 degrees. Okay, 17 degrees. Hey, I'm going to pray together, and then we're going to worship. Jesus, thank you so much for this day. We are so grateful to gather in this place this morning. We pray that you'd be blessed um, as you come and you rearrange things in my own heart. So I pray, Father, for all of us here this morning, here in this space and even online, I pray that this morning would be a rearranging of our hearts. And that rearranging of the hearts would make its way down into our arms and our feet, down to our very hands and fingertips, that we might live different in in our world today. We love you. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand with us. Let's worship together.
a seat. Have a seat. Take a load off. Oh, is he going to fail? Nope. He won't. Nope, he's not going to fail. Not one bit. Amen. That's a good way to start. Good way to start the morning. Thank you. Good job, Joe. Woo! Joe. We just moved Joe around the stage, and he ends up on the drums sometimes. Well done, man. Maybe so next week he'll that. sing. And we got Bruce jumped back on bass back here. Everybody, Bruce. Bruce. And it's kind of, this, kind of this thing up here, I guess, sitting down and worshiping. You guys okay with that? If Bruce is doing it, it's okay with me. If Bruce does it, it's cool. Is that what it is? Okay. It's not like she hasn't had hey, back when you came in, you got a worship folder. You pulled out real quick for me. I'm going to highlight just a couple of things, and then we're going to jump right back into worship. So... Um, we have a couple little things that will just fall out. Uh, one is a, a giving back to God envelope. We really want to encourage you in 2024 to worship through your tithes and offerings. You can use that. There's also gives you some explanation to other things you can do other than the envelope on there. Um, but I want to highlight this little blue card. Take a minute and fill it out. Um, we would love to know that you're here, even if you filled it out a billion times. Um, it's good to fill it out for a couple reasons. One, it's sort of a commitment that you believe God's going to speak to you today because on the back of it is a way for you to respond. So I'd like you to fill it out now and think, you know what? I'm just going to believe that God's going to speak to this old and cold soul today. Amen? So take a minute and fill it out. Another reason to fill it out, by the way, is there's people around you that should fill it out. This is their first time, but they're going to look to the right and left like, hey, that guy's up there talking, but nobody's doing what he's saying, so I'm not going to. So you, you kind of help the people around you fill it out. So do that. And then you're going to see a little thing in here that's, this is great to take some sermon notes on. I encourage you to take notes. I encourage you to have a Bible with you. You can use your phone as your Bible. There's some Bibles over here on my right in that little table. At some point in the service, get up and grab one. And that can go home with you. I am tickled pink if that Bible leaves and we never see it again. We would love for it to be in your possession, in your home. You use it. So take a Bible, use it. And on the back side, it's going to tell you a lot about groups. Last week, we talked about small groups. We're going to talk about them again today. I'm going to, at the end of the service, introduce you a few small group leaders. We really would like for you to take a risk in 2024 and join a small group. And we know life is busy. You know, it's awkward to get together with people that you maybe not know very well. It's, it's, it's hard to sometimes walk into church for the first time. It's even harder to walk in somebody's living room for the first time, okay? So we get that it's challenging, but there is little that will change your life as much as making a decision to do life with other Jesus people, okay? So take a, you know, peruse that a little bit. If you want to get connected to a group, there's a couple things you can do. After the service, there's going to be a few people walking around with little lanyards. You can talk to them. There's also going to be a sign-up sheet down in the rotunda. We call it the rotunda. Just say rotunda with me. Rotunda. You've got to have a little bit of attitude when you say it. Like, you really want to feel better than other people. Just say rotunda. So, anyway, down the rotunda, um, you can sign up down there on a little sheet of paper, or you can use that blue card on the back to say small groups. And uh, if you want to give us more information about what, great. If you just say small groups, we're just going to give you a call, okay? Done? All right, will you stand with me again? And uh, when I ask you to stand, by the way, um, you already noticed that some are sitting. You can sit if you'd like. All right. Um, over the next few minutes, we're going to worship together. If it feels more comfortable to sit, that's great. I will tell you, sometimes it's hard to sing. Anybody? Yeah. A couple of people in here. Sometimes it's hard to sing, right? So sometimes when it's hard for me to sing, um, I love worship music going on, and I'll just open my Bible. So if you're sitting and you're like, you know what, for a few minutes, I just want them to sing, open up to the book of Psalms. Right now, I'm working on Psalm 27. I'm trying to memorize that one. Maybe you go to Psalm 27 and open that and just kind of read through Psalm 27 while they're singing. 
Let this be a time where God does something in your soul. All right, deal? Jesus, thank you so much again. Um, Every day that... uh, Every day that you give me is a gift. The air I breathe today is a reminder that you're not done with me. And I pray that as I inhale this morning, I'm inhaling you, your word, your grace. But I pray, Father, that as I inhale you, that I will also learn to exhale you into my family, into my neighborhood, into the world around me. God, I pray that this morning there'll be just such a transformation that takes place right here. In your name we pray.
Where the Spirit of the Lord, have, Lord is, there is freedom. Can you say that with me? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Let's say that together. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We're going to sing a song that we haven't sung together in a long time. I think Discovery Community Church actually sang the song before I came here. But I'd like to read a verse just to intro it. The song's called The Blessing. And number six, starting with verse 22, it says, The Lord says to, said to Moses, Tell to Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the people of Israel and I will bless them. So as we sing this song, if you just want to receive this blessing and not sing along, just receive it. If you need to sit, if you need to pray, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom.
invite you to bow with me one more time. Father, I pray this morning that your blessing would fall. 2,000 years ago, you poured out your blessing on the cross. The most incredible gift that has ever been given was the gift of your son and the gift of life. sacrifice of your son meant that a man like me, people like us with just such deep stains some of those stains inflicted by others but so many of the stains that we carry on our hands we place there our obstinance to heaven and heaven's will and heaven's way has, has created this stain miracle of all miracles when you sent your son his work on a cross well it purifies us from all unrighteousness it takes the most scarlet of life and it makes it pure and white it takes the, the sin that's so prevalent and real it is so close the effects of it the consequences are so near that I can taste them see them you separate them as far as the east as from the west only because of the work of your son Jesus and so when I pray this morning for your blessing I'm not in any way suggesting that it hasn't come that it's not here that it's not available Father for your blessing is here it's rich it's dripping all around us and I pray Father but what might happen this morning is my heart, my heart might not be so reticent to your touch and your will and your word. I pray, Father, in this room, in this place, the blessing would come just like in the book of Revelation. You stand at the door and you knock. You're there, you're here, and you just wait for us to open the door. And when we do, you come in. You just sweep in. Dear Father, forgive us for I know sometimes when we talk about the blessing, we are, we are asking for, for uh, dollars and, and, and these sort of things. But right now, Father, what we're asking is we're asking for a spiritual renewal in our soul. And Father, whatever you place before us, God, may we live it out with faith and bring glory to you. Father, our, Father today this world needs men and, men and women, a church that's living out brilliantly faith, that's rooted in Scripture saturated with the message of Jesus. I pray that it would be so rich in our lives. Complete the work that you've begun. Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you to take a seat. And again, as I said earlier, I want to encourage you to get a Bible. And I know it's cold. I don't know any other way to... Just take a lot of fast notes right like this but I or you can do like Jason just tuck your hands in something right and if, if you don't have pockets maybe your neighbor does and just ask them so welcome this morning to Discovery Community Church welcome to Habits and uh, we are talking about habits the habits of earth that impact heaven and uh, I shared with you last week that habits habits are a daily decision that um, find their way into small little actions and if those little actions are done with some sort of uh, repetition and consistency they develop into a routine and that routine will change you 
It will change who you are, your character. It will change the, the circle that you're in, the world that you're in. And when I say that, I mean specifically your house and your closest relationships. And when those change, the world changes. And I think far too many times when we're looking and longing for big changes in our world, we start in the wrong places. And so we're going to start in 2024, and we're going to look at the habits that God has called us to place in our life. And uh, I get it when I talk about habits that there's probably some different perspectives in the room. And when you hear the word habits, you you probably don't immediately think of little decisions that are little actions. When you hear the word habit, you think of your husband. You think of that bad habit that your husband has that drives you crazy, right? When you think of habits, in fact, most of the time when you talk about habits, you just talk about that irritating thing that he does and it drives you nuts. In fact, you're kind of convinced that it's really not a habit. He does it just to spite you, right? And amen. So see, Kathy knows. Sorry, Dave. And... Uh, and, and you've had the conversation before, and you, you had the conversation in your house. You said, listen, this drives me crazy. And then your husband probably said something effective like, I can't help it. It's who I am. I didn't mean to do this. Anybody? This ringing a bell? Okay, maybe not your husband. Maybe your kid. Maybe a friend, a coworker. When you, when you think of habits, we often think of these things that you can't control. They just sort of descended upon you, and you don't remember making a decision. Anybody? You don't? When I, when I say habit, you don't look back and go, I remember the day. It was, you know, June 13th, 1973, right? You don't remember the day. It just kind of showed up, and now you do it. So you might not remember making a decision to put it in your life. But I do want to say that you are making a decision to allow that habit to continue to be in your life. You have a responsibility. And I also want to just acknowledge that habits... Habits can be incredibly difficult to address. Amen? It can be difficult to change. And it can be difficult to change a habit, not just because it's a a muscle memory thing. Uh, Again, a lot of times when we're talking about habits, we think about muscle memory. Like, I do it, I'm not thinking, it just happens, you know. But it's not just muscle memory. Most habits get rooted in our life because they're more than just a physical thing. It's because these, these habits that we've been doing, been doing so long in our life, they shape the way that we see the world. Maybe this doesn't make any sense yet. Anybody in here ever put your wallet in the wrong pocket? You've done that? And like all day long, you're like, something's not right. So stay on that word for a minute. Like if you put this in, the, in, the, in a different pocket, it's... There's really, my pants didn't come with an instructions and said, here's the right pocket, here's a wrong pocket. It's just that you have a habit, and if you change it, it's not, what's the word again? It's not right. It doesn't feel right. It's because you have this habit, and now you see the world as like, this feels natural to me. If you've ever moved your watch from your left arm to your right or vice versa, the same thing. You're like, this doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. It's because this, this thing you've been doing with your muscles, it now has changed the way that you see the world. I have, some, I have lots of bad habits, but I won't go through all of them. If you want to know a more detailed list, just talk to Tracy after. So we have the detailed list. Okay. So, um, but I have a couple of bad habits when it comes to food. Like, for instance, I love salt. I love, I love salt. I need salt. Salt is right. 
right? Hallelujah. So, and, and when like food comes to table and I reach for the salt container, it's not just a muscle memory thing. It's not just like, oh, that's what you do at the table. You reach for the salt. It's that that's how I see the world. Like, I actually don't want to taste the food. I want to taste the salt. Like, food is just a carrier for butter and salt, people. Amen? Like, that's, that, has, that has been true in my life, and I know, like, I, you, we can have this, um, we're saying it kind of with some humor, because I know that it's not good for me. Like, we can have the conversations, we can, the doctor can look at me, you know, and be like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm trying to cut back on salt. Any of you guys ever do that? I did that last week with the doctor. I was like, he said, what are you doing? I said, like, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to cut back on salt. And so, like, I know it, but the problem is, is I see the world this way. Like, it has to be salty. And so, part of my problem is that I get so much salt that at the end of the salt, I need to, like, balance it. And so, now I crave sugar. Right, anybody? And so, like, I'll be like, like now we got to balance this out with a brownie. And it's kind of funny, like, we'll talk about, we even talked this week, I said, Tracy, we need to change our eating habits, and, like, we need to cut back on sugars. Within the hour, I'm like, we need brownies. <laughs> like, nothing is right unless there's a brownie. Like, this right, and, like, we had the conversation Friday, and she's like, well, I was going to make chocolate chip cookies on Saturday. It's like, nope. I want you to know when I woke up Saturday, all day long, all I could think was chocolate chip cookies. So that's how I go, I go to salt and I go to sugar. And then when I get way too much sugar, all of a sudden I'm like, I got to balance it out with salt. So it's, it's this thing. It's, it's not muscle memory, though. It's the way that I see the world. And, and if any sort of change is going to take place, then I have to acknowledge that the way I see the world may not be right healthy, and then I want to see the world different. You tracking with me? So we're, we're walking through the Bible together. This is what we do here, and we're in Luke chapter 12. And in Luke 12, Jesus is going to address and talk about some heavenly habits. But before we get to heavenly habits, um, so last week we opened up and we saw that Jesus gave us a big warning. He says, beware. And by the way, when Jesus Scholars tell us in Luke chapter 12, when Jesus used the word beware, he's not saying like, hey, if, if I were you, I'd just watch out. Scholars tell us when he uses the word beware, he's like, he's putting up like road barricade signs. He's like, he's using the strongest language he possibly can, just blinking red lights, like, this is going to kill you. And his very first thing is not like, it's not actually the habits of the hands. If you're here last week, we talked about it, he says, he says, beware, big red blinking lights, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is religious theater or hypocrisy. He says that it's, it's when your heart doesn't match your hands. We talked about in 2024, before we even get to the like, specific things that you want to do different, you've got to invest in your soul. Like, don't neglect the soul. And then, before we get to the habits, he's going to give us another big red blinking light. And again, it's not a little one. He's saying, danger, danger head. And this, this comes um, through an interruption in his teaching. So we're going to pick up, we're going to read uh, about this interruption and how Jesus responds. Luke chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 13. I want you to read right along with me. 
Guys, if you don't have your Bible open, most of the stuff is going to show up here on the screen on my right and left and even behind me. So uh, just read along with me. It says, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And then verse 14, Jesus replied, man who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of in an abundance of possessions. And then he told this parable, he said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. And there I'm going to store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many, many years. Take it easy. Eat. Drink. Be merry. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be. With whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So Jesus is having this this teaching and his teachings interrupted. And I say interrupted. I want to be real clear here that um, Jesus is not just hanging out with like his 12 guys and a few extra. This isn't like a little conversation at a banquet table. If you remember last week, we talked about how Luke introduces this entire chapter. Luke says, this is the pinnacle of Jesus's earthly ministry. Luke uses some language that we can um, assume he's talking about right now, a crowd of around 50,000 people. So I'm bringing that back to your attention because I I want you to understand this interruption. This isn't just like we're at dinner and we're passing around the chicken and someone's like, hey, you know, I got this little problem. This is a big problem to a, a gentleman. It's so big that he has to make a big, big scene to be seen in the middle of 50,000 people. Are you, you tracking with me? Like, this isn't something he's like just blurted out. He had to think about it. It was premeditated because this is a big issue in his life. Now, we don't know all the details. All we know is that there's this gentleman that somehow has to get God's attention, has to get Jesus' attention in the middle of 50,000 people, and somehow gets the attention of Jesus and says, this is a big deal. It's tearing apart my family. My brother has something that he shouldn't have. It's unjust. It's not fair. It's inequitable. I'm needing God to step in and make things fair, just, and right. It's causing incredible pain. I I want you guys to see the the severity of this. This is not a little lunch conversation. This is a gentleman that's, this thing is bubbling up. It's erupting inside. It's, at least from his perspective, because we don't know the brother. I don't even know if the brother's there. We just know that this is unfair. It's become something so visceral deep down in his heart and soul and gut. God, do something. And did you notice how Jesus responded you like that? Like, first, zero curiosity, and then he says, and maybe that's where it came from. You know, I don't know where this whole thing, hey, man, Jesus says, man, who made me 
judge and arbiter between you. Zero curiosity about the details. Like, I want to know. My daughter calls it the tea. Anybody? You want to spill the tea? I kind of want to know. Don't, isn't a little part of you like, what did he take? Like, let's get in. Let's figure this thing out. Let's make this right. Jesus has zero concern about making things equitable and fair. In fact, when he says, man, who made me? Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, listen, you have a broken perspective of God. So you, you think that God's job in heaven is to make everything fair, equitable, just. And then he turns to the entire crowd and he says, using this man, Using this man's story and this man's pain, Jesus turns to the entire crowd and he says, watch out. Be on your guard against, and there's a little phrase there, do you see that? All kinds. All kinds of greed. Life does not consist in just an abundance of possessions. Other translations use the word covetousness. What Jesus is doing here is he's taking the entire audience and us to right back to the Ten Commandments. To the most unpopular, underused commandment in all the Big Ten. Like, I don't covet. The only people I know that covet are people that are richer than me. You know what I'm saying? It's only, the, it's only the people that are richer than me that covet and have greed issues, right? But what I have is I have injustice. I have things that are unfair. I have things that are not right. I have things that need to be fixed. And how come God's not doing it right now? That's not coveting, is it? Yeah. Thank you, Alicia. Jesus goes right for the heart. He's like, listen, you don't recognize that you have a distorted view of God and God's gifts in your life. And it is killing the work of God in you. You see, we have a habit of looking at the world through the lenses of a ledger. We look at the world through pluses and minuses. Um, we look at the world through like scales. And when I say the world, I don't, I don't just mean like you're reading the news. We do this in our marriages, in our homes, in our families. We, we, we're like, well you know what, this isn't fair. They have something that I not just want, I need, and they won't give it to me, or they can't give it to me, and I don't know why they won't give it to me. And God, it's not fair. And Jesus calls this greed. Paul writes about it in First Timothy chapter 6. He says that it's this kind of way that we look at the world as through the lenses of a ledger or scales that is at the root of every pain in our life. Read this with me, First Timothy chapter 6. Paul writes, the love of money is the root of... Now, I want to be clear here. Paul is not talking about U.S. currency. Are we clear? Like, there was no U.S. currency when Paul was writing this. He's, there's no U.S. There's no... He's not talking about a green piece of paper. He's talking about... So money is just a means of exchange. Does that make sense? It's just an arbitrary means of exchange. 
It doesn't matter what it is. It can be gold. It can be U.S. dollars. It can be a cow. It doesn't matter. It's just a means of exchange. It's a means to trade. It's a means to balance the scales. You, you tracking? That's all money is. It's a way to bring balance Your love of bringing balance to the scales is a root of all kinds of evil. In fact, some people that have been so eager for the scales to be balanced in their life have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Do you know people who are angry with God? Do you know people who have like shut down in their relationship with God. They're so angry because things have been so unjust, inequitable for so long, and God has not responded. James takes it, even makes it even more pointed in James chapter 4. James says, you desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, there's that word. But you can't get what you want, and so you quarrel and you fight. And you don't have because you don't ask God. We have the most distorted view of God and His gifts. And it's destroying our marriages, our homes, our relationships with our children, our relationships with our neighbors, co-workers. It is this misshaped view of the world that is the root of all of the pain in your life and mine. Proverbs, Solomon writes about in Proverbs, he says, the greedy bring ruin to their own households. So what lies at the center of our pain is the broken way that we see the world. Or I'm going to give you a sentence and we're going to talk about it a little more. Our inability to celebrate and deploy the beautifully generous stewardship of God. I'm going to say that again. I'd like you to write it down. Our inability to celebrate and deploy the beautifully generous stewardship of God is at the root of all the pain in your life and mine. And before we talk about habits, before we talk about things that we ought to do this year, 2024, we have to talk about not just the condition of our heart, but how we see the world how we see God and that which God entrusts to us. So I want to go back. I want to look back in Luke 12. I want to read the story Jesus tells to illustrate. And I want to talk about what you and I are called by Jesus to do. So Jesus, after um, pointing out this danger of this all kinds of greed, he tells a story to illustrate. He's starting in verse 16. He tells them this parable. He says, there was a ground of a certain rich man And it yielded an abundant harvest. And so the rich man thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, drink, and be merry. By the way, um, I counted in just those three verses this, this, uh, I'm not going to call him the hero of the story. We'll call him the main character uses the word I or me 11 times in three verses. A 
I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Number one, God calls you and I to recognize that it is God who gives us stewardship. And that stewardship is to be celebrated. That's the first thing I want to have you write down and remember. It's God who gives. If you're writing that down, circle God gives. And circle it four times. It's not me. It's not mine. It's not what I have earned. It's not what I have made. It's not what I deserve. It's not what I have a right to. It's an incredible gift of God. There's nothing that I have in my possession that has not been allowed to be in my possession by a good, incredible God. Not money, not time, not even trouble. But can I say it again? I, I got one amen. Nobody was excited about the trouble part. There's nothing in my life that exists that God has not allowed by His goodness and His grace. Time, money, and trouble. They are all gifts from God. And Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 8. For us, there's but one God, the Father from whom all things came and from whom we live. And there's but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Everything comes from God. Nothing comes from my hands. Nothing is owed to me. Nothing I deserve. Nothing I have a right to. It is all from God and for God. Amen? Amen. Nothing is mine. James says this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. There is nothing that I have in my possession that I earned or have a right to. It is all from God and for God. Amen? In the Old Testament, there's an incredible book. It's called the Book of Job. Anybody familiar about the Book of Job? Some of you, you don't, maybe you don't know the book, but you just know like, uh, something bad's coming when you mention Job. <laughs> Job was an incredible man. In a few short days, he lost everything. He lost his way to provide for him and his family. He lost everything that he'd earned and saved and gathered. And one day, he lost all of his children in a terrible, tragic accident. As you can imagine, the days that followed, he lost his health. Like Everything inside his body begins to shut down and the way I read the book of Job, while all this is going on, he also loses his marriage. His wife's there, but she's not really on his side. In fact, these are her words. This is where, why I determined that the marriage has gone south. She says, why don't you curse God and die? That's, that's her response to her husband. So I think I'm kind of right, okay? That he has now lost everything, and, and, and it tells us that Job is sitting on like this, this dung heap, okay? And I'm not going to go into the rest of it because it's graphic and ugly, but and he's just in a lot of pain physically and emotionally and spiritually. And then Job says the most amazing thing. I'm going to read it to you. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. I think it's the New American Standard that adds this little phrase. Even so, may the name of the Lord be praised. Job has this 
he doesn't have a broken perspective. He doesn't see the world as a ledger, plus and minuses, and a scale to be balanced. He says, I see that everything comes from you, God, and my attention, my heart, my worship should be on you. And, and whatever you give or whatever you withhold, I'm going to bring you praise with every breath in my body. Oh, that you and I might see every day as a gift instead of a right. Oh, might we wake up to that alarm and go, God, thank you that you gave me another day. And you gave the good and you gave the not so good. And may I give you glory and honor for it. This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. You've heard the phrase, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, this is, the, this is where the kingdom of heaven is for. This is who the kingdom of heaven is for. It's for men and women who recognize that they have absolutely nothing, that they've earned nothing, they have a right to nothing. They're a recipient of God's incredible grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit, men and women who recognize that God is everything. He is all things. And because He's all things, He should be celebrated at all times. I'm going to say that intentionally and on purpose because I'm going to read something that's going to prove it. He is to be celebrated and worshipped in all times. Paul writes in the book of 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in everybody and everything in all circumstances. Paul goes on, he says, for this is God's will for you. I mean, let that, let that blow your mind up a little bit. I know in two, it's the beginning of 2024 and you're thinking, what's God's will? Is it going to be a new house? Is it going to be a move? Is it going to be a new car? Are we going to finally lose that weight? Are we going to finally gain that muscle? And you've got this list of things. New Testament makes really clear what God's will for you is right now. Ready? It's giving thanks to God the Father in all circumstances. Like right now, at this very moment, where you stand. In the book of Philippians, I love the book of Philippians. It's often been called the book of joy. And, and I love it because Paul's likely penning the book of Philippians in jail waiting for his execution. And think about that. This guy with incredible vision. He could see it. He tasted this incredible leader and he's penned up in a, a jail unfairly, unjustly. And all he wants to do is communicate the good news of Jesus Christ to every man, woman, and child on the entire planet. Can you think of anything better? And while he's penned up in jail waiting his execution unfairly, he writes this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with everybody, thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is such incredible power when we begin to see the world God in the way that God intends us to see the world. It's all from Him, for Him. And may we live to Him. And that brings us to the second thing that 
Jesus illustrating this story is it's not just about recognizing that it's not from me, but recognizing that God has given a stewardship in my life to be deployed in the world. The stewardship, earlier I said it's money, time, and what? Only a couple of people took notes. Okay, so go back. I'm going back and do the first point again. Money, time, and trouble. Okay? I've used to say talent, so I've added, I changed it to trouble this week. I think it's way more appropriate. Our stewardship is the things that God has allowed in our lives. Money, time, and what was the third one? Trouble. God allows money, time, and trouble in your life and mine, one, so that we would get glory to God, but number two, that we may deploy it for His glory in the world around us. God has made and built you, yes, you, and you in this particular moment in your life, not the most ideal moment in your life, but this moment in your life, at your age, with your knees, with your arthritis, with your debt, with your difficulty, with your challenging marriage, with your kids and the situation your kids are in, in the middle of your loneliness. God has a mission for you. The great breakdown in the story is this man said, I I got all this stuff, the stewardship, and it's just for me to eat, drink, and be merry. And then Jesus said, man, you better watch out because your entire life is slipping away from you. In fact, this very night, this, I mean, this is Jesus, the gentle shepherd, said it this way. He said, this very night, your life will be required of you. Ephesians 2, verse 10, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You have been made and shaped for this day. Your stewardship, the time, the money, and even the trouble God has allowed in your life that you would deploy it into his mission around you. There are people that only your pain will reach. You know that? There are people that only your pain will reach. Don't miss it. Before we talk about things that we're going to do with our hands in 2024, would you begin to see the world different? Not something that you've made or you've earned. Not so that you could just sit back and put your feet up and just rest, coast your way out, because dang it, you deserved it. But instead, in this moment, in this day, say, God, how could I bring glory to you? And how can I deploy this moment? How can, how can me, little old me, live more on mission in 2024 than ever before? Here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to, I want to give you a moment. Next week, we're going to jump into some real specific habits. But this morning, I want to give you a moment to say, God, I, I've been looking at the world the wrong way. I've been looking at this ledger 
Years ago, my friend Chuck used to talk about the list in marriage. Chuck, you remember talking about the list? Still do. We have this, we keep these lists, you know. We, I remember. And we, then we try to even up that list. And um, it affects our marriages and it affects our, our relationships at work. I mean, it's, it's, it's why stuff happens in the Middle East right now. You know that. You know what happens? This is what happens between nations is that there, there's one party is like, this is inequitable. And so this gives us the right to do this and vice versa. And guys, at the, this is what Paul says, at the root of all of the pain in the world is this desire to make the scale right in our favor. So what I want to do this morning is I want to ask you to take a minute. And if you've been looking at the world through the lenses of a ledger, I want to invite you just to bring that before the Father and say, God, number one, I want to repent of that. I'm seeing this morning that uh, what he or she or they have is none of my concern. I have an incredibly good God but His goodness and His grace has given a stewardship to me. It is time. It's this breath in my body. It's some tangible resources. It's even some challenges and troubles in my life right now. And God, I just want to tell you I, I trust that you're a good God and I'm thankful. And then if you really want to take a risk with me in the prayer by saying Thank you. 
Cross as you wait for your crown. 
tell the world of the treasure you found. Isn't that good? That's good. I want to introduce a couple of people this morning. Um, so I've asked some of you, small group uh, leaders, to come up here. Would you make your way up here? Can I borrow? Yeah. Oh, a few people. So I've encouraged, uh, early, early in the service, I talked about this little sheet. So you might pull it out right now. Um, it talks about some of the different small group, small group opportunities uh, that we have here. And so we have a few people that represent um, small groups and also some particular uh, some ministry opportunities that, uh, that exist in Discovery that I think are great steps to get an engaging community, engaging God's Word. So I'm going to pass a little mic here and uh, introduce yourself and uh, invite folks to what it is that you're leading. Uh, hi. My name is Tad Ernst, and I lead a small group and also the men's ministry here at Discovery. Um, both are great opportunities to, to connect, uh, to really dive in and support each other. Um, it's uh, the first way that I connected with Discovery, and um, to be completely honest, I was terrified to go to a small group or a Bible study. Uh, but realized that it was a really um, painless experience mm. and one that uh, has just really grown my faith. I think I forgot that, Dad. Was that my house? Oh, my word. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. that. There's a reason it was scary, I guess. So small group at my house. Thank you, Dad. Hey everyone, I'm Nicole, and I just told, that's right, I'm a co-leader right there. Anyway, I lead a group with my husband and with Jason and Tina, and I just want to encourage all of you with respect to any group. We say that uh, church actually happens on groups, and it's so, within groups, and it's so true, because Sunday mornings are great. I love our worship team. I love John. It's great to be with you, but small groups are where we know each other's kids. It's where we get to um, come alongside and make meals when people are having surgeries, where we get to participate in the ways that people in our group are serving in our city come alongside them. It's where we get to see God through other people's eyes. And so I just so encourage you, if you are not in a small group right now, um, there's lots of opportunities, lots of different uh, schedules and places. And so jump in. It's the good stuff. Yeah, thank you. I'm Katie Baring, and I won't talk too much about small groups, although I do have a small group that I dearly love, but I, I'm also going to talk about Bible Study Fellowship. Um, for me, for me, um, like in-depth, um, life-changing Bible study happens in the context of encouraging and accountable community, and that is what Bible Study Fellowship classes offer. There, um, it's a worldwide classes all over the place, online and in-person, and we have a number of classes here in Tacoma, Puyallup, wherever you are, um, if you want to get for all ages, little kids, students, and um, women and, and men. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Bobby. My wife, Marissa, and I are going to start a small group on Tuesdays. We'll meet twice a month. Um, so our first meeting will be on the 30th. I think that's the last Tuesday this month. The last Tuesday this month. Um, it's going to be at, at our house. It's on the west side of, t of t Tacoma. Your children are welcome. And so there's a sign up in the rotunda. And so hopefully you'll sign up and do life with us. Yeah, so Bobby's group, by the way, uh, Bobby's group is not listed on here. And so um, you'll need to talk to him. Is, Katie, is BSF on here? 
At the very bottom, okay, so the very bottom. So if you want to talk to Bobby directly about his group, grab him, but if you just say, you could also just say Bobby's group, so that'll be enough. Go ahead. Hey, everybody, I'm David. This is Kathy. We're the Carlsons, and we would like to extend a warm invitation to everyone to a new couples group, a couple small group that we're going to be starting out. So what do we mean by couples? Well, if you've been a couple for a long time or a short time, then come. Uh, if you're part of a couple... Uh, and you're the only part that can or wants to come, then come too. Um, if you think you might be part of a couple soon, <laughs> come. So you get the, you get the idea here. It's what if a you're looking to, be, what if we you're looking to be part We're of We're going for the biggest group of everybody, so just come. Um, but uh, it's going to be great. We're going to really um, look at it from a focus of your unique and individual talents, uh, because that really is the fingerprint of God that's on each and every person. And so by understanding and knowing what those are and what those are of your partner, uh, relationships can really flourish. So uh, we'd love to talk to you afterwards. And here's um, some more important deeds that you need to know. And what he means by talents is we're going to be going over the Clifton Strength Finders. So come and talk to us. We found it to be very helpful in our marriage. Um, just hopefully I didn't, my talent didn't confuse this, but it's going to be six weeks. So it's a short term, but it's um, every other week starting January 20th to the end of March. And we're going to make it easy for you. You can either come in person and I'll make you dinner. So it'll be at our house in Port Orchard. I know you're scared of the bridge, but it really does work. We do it all the time. It's okay. You don't fall into the narrows. You'll be all right. Um, and your reward will be a fresh home-cooked meal. That'll be 4 to 7, so you'll come to our house at 4, we'll wrap up about 7. If you don't want to do that, um, we won't call you names or anything, we'll just, you can meet through Zoom, so that'll be from 5 to 7, and that's on sad, what is it, Saturdays, <laughs> Saturdays starting the 20th. All right, thank you. you. Guys, get a round of applause for these guys being up here. Thank you. This, of course, is not all of our groups. We have multiple different group opportunities. Take a moment and uh, walk through that. Love to help you get connected. There's just some really great group opportunities for you. And uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then the, the uh, team here is going to lead us in a song. But this is probably going to be a dismissal song. So while they're playing, sorry, guys, I'm, you can stay in here and hang out and worship with them. Or you can start making your way out. Because I know that you probably have some little people that may be getting anxious. It is 1120. So... Let me close us in prayer, and then the team is going to lead us on our way out. Jesus, again, we thank you for a few minutes in your word today. Father, we have a tendency to sometimes uh, hear things, see things, encounter things, and then get right back into the regular. I pray today would be different. I pray that there's some seeds, some eternal seeds that have been planted in our soul that we can't shake, and that we begin to legitimately see things different around us, see the world. God, I pray even as we go out the double doors that the, uh, that the sun would shine a little different, Father, or at least that bright shade of gray would be a little bit different, and that we would, we would just see the entire world in the way that you've intended us to. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.